The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast host Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every family has an origin story, one passed down through the generations. Mine happens to be a mystery involving my great-great-grandmother left behind in Sicily. I'm Joe Piazza, and my new podcast, will transport you to the gorgeous island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a whodunit for the ages. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. We've always been intrigued by stories of disappearances, whether it's a fraudster from the 17th century who kept evading the authorities or a novelist who taunted the Nazis and faked her own death. We all want to know, what happened next? To find out, listen to Womanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, I'm Dr. Maya Shunker, and I'm a scientist who studies human behavior. Many of us have experienced a moment in our lives that changes everything, that instantly divides our life into a before and an after. On my podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, I talk to people about navigating these moments. Their stories are full of candor and hard-won wisdom. And you'll hear from scientists who teach us how we can be more resilient in the face of change. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You and Me Both is a production of iHeartRadio. I'm Hillary Clinton, and this is You and Me Both. You know, I've given a lot of advice over the years, and I've also sought and received a lot of advice, some of it better than others. But when it came to launching my career running for the Senate in New York, one person whose advice everyone told me to seek out was that of Luis Miranda. A venerated political consultant, Luis has given invaluable guidance to many New York candidates and politicians over the years, including me. As we'll hear later in this episode, he's also advised his son, the award-winning composer, lyricist, actor, producer, and director, Lin-Manuel Miranda. But when it comes to seeking advice on a more personal level, I know I'm not alone in thinking there's no one quite like Cheryl Strayed. And that's where we start today's episode. 
Cheryl Strayed is an acclaimed author, best known for her stunning and brutally honest memoir, Wild from Lost to Found on the Pacific Crest Trail, later made into a hit film starring Reese Witherspoon. In 2010, Cheryl began anonymously writing the Dear Sugar advice column under the pseudonym Sugar. Since then, the column developed a loyal following and has had several lives, including as a podcast. It went on hiatus for a while, but now she's brought it back as a newsletter, which is good news to fans of Cheryl's, like I am. I've had the pleasure of getting to know her, spending time first together during my 2016 campaign for president, and then she's interviewed me about my books and I've been a guest on her podcast. I always love talking with Cheryl, and I was so delighted to have the chance to now interview her for this podcast. I began by asking Cheryl how things have been for her and her family at home in Portland, Oregon, over the many, many months of this pandemic. To be honest, I'm not alone in saying that these last couple of years have been difficult ones in in my life, in my family's life. We're doing okay, but I have a son and a daughter who are a junior and a sophomore in high school, and it's been hard. I think this pandemic has been especially difficult for teenagers, people in their early 20s, of course, people who are older as well, you know, the terrible health risks that they've faced in this pandemic, but teenagers socially mental health has been a struggle. And I think, as we all know, adolescence is always a difficult time, but it is a time when you want to be with your peers and socializing and having fun. And the pandemic has put a little crimp in that. Right. I have to say, I, for one, was really pleased when you brought back (laughs) the Dear Sugar column (laughs) last year after a couple years hiatus uh, Mm -hmm. as a newsletter. What went into that decision about bringing back the opportunity for you to hear from people and and try to give some advice? Right. So, you know, the reason I brought it back, really, it goes back to this essential belief that I have, and that is that stories save us, that Mm -hmm. literature specifically, but art in general, is the thing that allows us to see ourselves most clearly it tells us that we can go on. It tells us that, that we can endure suffering. It tells us that we can triumph, we can lose, we can love, that these experiences that we have, these struggles we have, they are universal and timeless. And so as a writer, I have always felt that my mission, my work, in an interesting way, not so unlike yours. You've spent your lifetime as a public servant trying to make the world a better place, make people's lives better. I've done that too in a very different way through writing. And what I try to do is to remind us all of our humanity, the, the, mm-hmm. the, the universal threads that connect us. And of course, in the Dear Sugar advice column, I do that very specifically because there is one person saying, help, I'm struggling I can't go on. Mm -hmm. And what I try to do is not just give advice. Anyone who reads the Dear Sugar column knows that I I don't just say, okay, do this, this, and this. What I say is, let us think deeply about the question you're asking me. And so I I really just engage with people's struggles rather than telling them what to do. And, and, And I hope that that offers some illumination, some consolation, something for them to hold on to so they can take that next step forward. Well, I think that's the 
best kind of advice that anybody can give to try to really understand in a radically empathetic way what is going on. And the way that you do it through storytelling really locates the uh, advice in a broader context so that it's not just the person writing into you saying, I'm a nurse and I have a teenager and I've never been so tired or despairing, or in a recent column where somebody said, you know, I'm estranged from my mother, should I send her a birthday card? I mean, the way that you answer, the way you weave in your own experiences, the way that you have allusions to literature, to other more universal stories, it really is a unique gift, Cheryl. You are such a compelling writer. Thank you. And then to put yourself, you know, in the position now for over 10 years of giving people advice must have started off feeling kind of scary. Like, you know, did did you wonder when you were asked to pick up this uh, column, <laughs> how can I give advice? Or I'm the one needing advice, which I think we of all feel. <laughs> <laughs> of course. That was the first thing I thought is, who am I, <laughs> you know, to be giving advice, which I think is always the person you want to go to for advice, because the person who thinks that they have all the answers is the person who you're probably not going to listen to, right? Mm-hmm. We, we don't tend mm-hmm. to enjoy being lectured or feeling inferior to somebody. We tend to seek counsel from somebody who they're down there. I always say I'm down in the muck with the people who seek advice from me. And so I think of myself as someone, as a writer, whose job is to engage in a really deep, deep, profound way with the truth. Mm, And not mm. just to sit around and say, well, this is what I think, or this is how I feel, but really dig more deeply into the sort of the questions that sit below the questions that have been posed to me. That's a really important point. Yeah, because when someone asks you something, it's often not really what they're asking you, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, even just that question that you just cited, where a woman who's estranged from her mother for good reasons, should I send her a birthday card or not? You know, that's the question you think you have for me. But what you're really grappling with is, how are you going to live with this? This gigantic, sad decision that you've had to make to estrange yourself from this person who is supposed to be the closest relationship of your life, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's a big question. And what I often try to get people to do is really grapple with those bigger questions. Right. Well, the way that you answered that particular question was especially meaningful because you talked about your own estrangement from your father. And it happened to be around the time that he passed away after you had not had any contact with him for uh, many years. And just your sharing what it meant to have to cut off contact with your own father. And you have a line in there, which I uh, was so struck by. You were sad because you weren't sad. You had, in effect, kind of made your peace with not having a relationship uh, with him. You gave permission to not just the person seeking the advice, but all of us who were reading that column to think about our own lives, to think about our own relationships. And, you know, I I was really sad when my father died in part because I really had a difficult experience connecting with him emotionally. You know, he was like the typical 
you know, product of the Great Depression. He was a guy's guy who'd played football at Penn State. And then, you know, in World War II, he was a chief petty officer training, you know, young men to go off to fight in the Pacific. And there was a side to him that I saw glimpses of, which was, you know, really sensitive, more emotionally astute than he seemed to be in in most of uh, his daily interactions. And I, you know, I loved him and I was grateful to him. But there was ambivalence about, oh, wouldn't it have been terrific if we could have really connected? Like, you know, we could have had so much more than we were capable of having. And that your column just made me think about that uh, mm. and made me reflect back on, you know, what I did have, for which I was very grateful. I mean, one of my favorite memories of my father is even when I was a little girl and I would I would say to him, would you, will you always love me? And he'd say, oh, <laughs> yes. And I'd say, will you love me if I murder somebody? He's, he'd say, <laughs> well, I wouldn't like what you did, but I would love you. And, Aww. you know, that was an interesting kind of basic way of saying I will unconditionally love you, but I won't always like what you do. So even a column that wasn't directly connected with my own life caused me to think about, you know, my own father. Oh, I love hearing that, Hillary. And I do believe that when we tell the truth about our lives, about what it's like to be a daughter or a son or a parent or a spouse or, you know, fill in the blank, when we really are honest about it, all kinds of people will see themselves in us, even if their story isn't an exact parallel or corollary. And I think that, you know, one of the things you point out when I said I was sad about not being sad. You know, I have spent years of my life grieving my dad. I have. Yeah. And everyone out there who's listening to these words right now or who read that column, who's who's had to let somebody go who they loved, to know what it feels like to actually really say, I grieve you and I release you from my life, even though you will go on living you know, that's a big thing to do. Yes. And I love that knowing when I write those words that people out there are helped by them, not just the person who wrote me the letter. And then other people, like you say, well, I identify with aspects of mm-hmm. what she just said. Yeah. In a sense, you do have a front row seat on our collective psyche. And thinking about when you first started the Dear Sugar column 10 years ago, and then you took mm-hmm. the hiatus, Have the problems changed? Have people's concerns changed um, over that uh, 10-year period? That's an interesting question. And the answer is yes and no. So there's always the same problems with love and marriage and (laughs) will anyone ever love me? And how do I, you know, should I stay in this relationship? Or, you know, the family conflicts, they never change. (laughs) It's universal. (laughs) But but there is one category of letter that I have received so many letters like this over the last couple of years. And that is the conflicts about politics and belief systems, you know, Mm -hmm. especially in the lead up to the election, you know, people were saying, do I go to my mother's birthday celebration because I know, you know, a lot of her family are Trump voters and I'm not and we'll fight and, you know, I don't want to disturb, you know, what what do I do if I'm dating somebody who has different political values? In a couple of cases, it wasn't so much about who they voted for, but of beliefs that were espoused about mm-hmm. race or, mm-hmm. you know, somebody saying, 
you're racist for saying this or you're homophobic for saying that. And then that causing um, a lot of family turmoil and sometimes in romantic relationships too. And then of course, there's this category of people saying, I'm in despair about the state of our country. Right. I'm worried about the divisiveness. I'm worried about the anti-vaxxers. I'm worried about climate change and the powers that be not really taking those those issues seriously. And so that's a pretty new category. I mean, I used to get a couple of letters like that, but now there's dozens of them, which probably doesn't yeah. surprise you. It doesn't surprise me because I get the same letters. <laughs> I get right. the same kind of encounters from people literally walking down the street. Do you have any thoughts about how, number one, you do deal with people who are in your life, but literally you can't listen to. I have one friend whose father isn't just a staunch supporter of Trump, but taunts her and, you know, is constantly in her face about, mm. you know, how great Trump is and how wrong everybody is. And up until now, she has felt like she could tolerate his idiosyncrasies and eccentricities mm -hmm. and some of his behavior, which, you know, sometimes was, you know, very uh, over the top. But now she feels like, what do I do? I don't want to end a relationship over a political difference. Well, you know, it is complicated. I, what I try to do first is remember that, yes, absolutely, things are extraordinarily divisive now. And I would say that we're in a place that we've never quite been to this extreme. And yet it's also true that there has always been profound and deep and real political disagreements in the nation and among families. And, you know, to take a breath and have some perspective about this. I mean, I remember my own grandmother, my mother's mother, who I loved, you know, we would get in these terrible arguments. She would say things like feminists ruin, feminists ruin this country. <laughs> she said oh, yeah. that. Yes. Oh, dear. I know yeah, that. So you've been there. <laughs> and we can laugh about it now mm -hmm. because it's like, OK, you know, so, you know, with her, what I thought is, OK, I disagree with you and I'm upset that you said that. But there are things I love about you and there are important connections we have. And I'm just going to really focus on those things. And maybe we're not going to talk about feminism. Maybe we're not mm -hmm. going to talk about reproductive rights because we disagree. So avoidance is a key thing in those relationships. But what I would say to your friend, you said that, um, you know, her father taunts her about politics. Yeah. And I think the direction I would go in that relationship is set aside the subject of that taunting to say, listen, would I allow this person to taunt me about you know, fill in the blank about my mm -hmm. looks or about my the food I cooked for him or, you know, whatever that is. It's rude behavior. It doesn't matter what they're talking about. It is rude. And that she can draw a boundary and say, she's not saying, listen, we're not going to talk politics. She's saying, listen, you're going to treat me with loving kindness and respect. Right. And if you can't, you know, we need to take a little distance. I think when somebody is mean to you and rude to you or disrespectful, you have the right to set a boundary and you should. I'm with you completely on that. We're taking a quick break. Stay with us. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step, and you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because, God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy. And basically have conversations 
questions that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, is there some particular piece of advice that you can recall that you've given over the years that surprised you in the way it resonated with people? Well, I hear from people, honestly, every day. And it's been so interesting to see the ways that my advice has been taken into so many people's lives. The one that honestly did surprise me that I hear about a lot is a letter I wrote many years ago called The Truth That Lives There. And, and, and I answered three letters instead of one in this column, which I rarely do. But I did it because I have so many letters in this category. I wanted people to see the different stories that were being sent to me, the different letters. And what the letters were about is, is this conundrum. I care about this person I'm in a relationship with. I love this person I'm in a relationship with. And I want to end the relationship. But I feel bad about doing it because he or she hasn't done anything, quote unquote, wrong. And I wrote a, a letter back in which I said, essentially, it's okay to do that. You know, if you want to leave, it's okay to leave because wanting to leave is enough. You know, there is a way to say to somebody, this is the truth about how I feel. And this is what I need for my life. It's a very simple thing. And yet I was surprised by how many people said that changed my life. Nobody had ever said to me that I could trust myself like that, mm -hmm. that I could grant myself that kind of permission. And of course, I'm not talking about just any time there's conflict in a relationship, you say, oh, it's over, I up and leave. I'm talking about, you know, if you're really feeling like something's not right for you. And, and this is kind of connected to this question you just asked me about your friend whose father taunts her about politics. Mm -hmm. It's ultimately about very calmly stating what you want and need in your life. And you want and need a father who doesn't taunt you. You want and need relationships that you feel content to be a part of or happy to be a part of. And we, I think, especially as women and girls, but I would, I say men and boys get this too. For some reason, we're told not to trust ourselves a lot. And I think so much of the work that I do is about trying to shed light on that and, and maybe undo some of that. I mean, I think the most radical act is to tell the truth about who you are and what you want. And how hard that is. It's yeah. so hard. And, it is. And we now know from a lot of research that's being done that your body knows that you're not living your truth, that the aches and pains, physical even ailments, can often be connected to you lying to yourself. You're not being truthful to yourself. And your body is like, this is not working for me. And so please figure that out. Right. It's, it's interesting, too, that you say research shows this because you're right. But the question I have for you is that research doesn't even need to show it because we know it. Like, do you know that feeling? You know, have you had times in your life? In fact, I know the answer is yes. That, that when you know something's not right and mm -hmm. you feel it in your body or mm -hmm. you know something is right, that you're right. like, okay, right. I just have a good feeling about this. Or this is what's right for me. And it's yeah. I'm not making it out of 
avoidance or denial. I've really thought about it. I've dug right. deep about it. And this is what's right for me. Yeah. Uh, I have to ask you, um, you know, do your kids ever ask you for your advice? <laughs> I mean, or are they typical teenagers? Don't think oh. you have anything to tell them. Please. No, of course they don't ask me. No, I, I might give them advice, Hillary, but they do not they do not listen to it or follow it in any way. I mean, I think that that's been the hard. I mean, you you know, you've lived through it with Chelsea, right? Like you mm-hmm. parented a teen and there she is now, this nice young woman, a full grown up, a mother herself. I've had to really lean on women, friends of mine who have older kids. And I just say, OK, so are they going to absorb some of these values? Because, I mean, honestly, my husband Brian and I sometimes have felt really a kind of crisis of consciousness about this because we are both very political, very mm-hmm. much activists. My husband's a documentary filmmaker and has made all kinds of important films about social issues, and I have too. And certainly we can see that our kids have absorbed that, you know, that they both are incredibly, they're progressives and they're, they're, they even push us further on, on various <laughs> issues. They're very outspoken. But when it comes to values like, I don't know, clean up after yourself. Oh, yes. <laughs> you know, like do your own dishes, like leave the place better than you found it. That value has not been absorbed at all. Oh, you know, Cheryl, I am such a fan of yours for so many reasons, but your openness, your honesty, your kindness, your constant quest for wisdom, which is a a word I revere because it can only come if you have lived a while and you've seen a lot and you're trying to absorb uh, what it all means, mm-hmm. is such a, uh, a, a light uh, shining. And I want to end by, you know, asking you, what do you see for the future? How do you see both individuals and us collectively finding our way to more stable ground after all we have experienced? Well, I think that the only way any of us can find our way to stable ground, whether it be individually or collectively as a nation, is to do so much of what we've been talking about, Hillary. It comes down to being brave enough to tell the truth as often mm-hmm. as possible to the people who, who need to hear it, trusting yourself, and expecting the kind of love and compassion and kindness and light you put into the world, expecting it in return. Mm -hmm. And that to me describes an empowered person. You know, I I mean, I know that you have spent a lifetime believing that we as individuals can make a political difference in the world, whether it be as simple as making sure we always cast that vote, whether it be in our, the the tiniest local election or or the national elections or, you know, giving back to our communities in whatever way way we can. And I think that, you know, that kind of work, that kind of what I'll just call sort of public work um, is really connected to the private work we do in our lives in nurturing our own sense of emotional well-being, um, nurturing the relationships that are meaningful and that matter to us. And so this very intimate advice giving I do as Dear Sugar, I think does have social impact and does have political impact because the kind of person you are in your very own home and your very own school and your very own community really extends out into the kind of citizen you are. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot at stake when it comes to um, figuring out how to be in the world and what we believe we're capable of. And so when I think of the way forward, what I always think is the work I can do today it really matters. And I think that's true of everyone. Every morning when we, when we wake up, we have something to give. 
And the only way we can give it is if we take care of ourselves. Amen. Amen, my friend. Well, I cannot thank you enough for joining me for this podcast. And I know that our listeners are going to relish hearing from you. Uh, And I look forward to our paths crossing and uh, a, a continuation of this conversation. Thank you so much for having me on your show. It's always really a pleasure to speak to you. You always share some wisdom, and I'm grateful for that. You can get more of Cheryl's Dear Sugar column by subscribing to her Substack at CherylStrade.substack.com. Advice comes in many forms and from many sources. Some folks build entire careers out of giving advice from acclaimed writers like Cheryl to political consultants like my next guest, Luis Miranda. Born in Puerto Rico, Luis came to New York in the early 1970s and almost immediately became a force as an activist and leader. A veteran of multiple mayoral administrations in the city of New York, Luis became a fixture in New York politics, launching his own consulting firm and becoming known for his astute advice and his uncanny ability to bring people together, which boy, do we need now more than ever. As I mentioned at the top of this episode, when I began thinking about launching my campaign for public office, my very first, to run for the Senate from New York, Luis became an invaluable advisor. It is always a pleasure catching up with him, and it's not easy because he never stops moving. From his campaigns to his philanthropy to his artistic endeavors, he's one of the most energetic and hardworking people I know. When we spoke, his son Lynn's catchy song, We Don't Talk About Bruno, from Disney's hit movie, Encanto, was at the top of the charts. So let me start just by checking in. Have you and your family been running around singing We Don't Talk About Bruno nonstop? Is that Uh, it? (laughs) Yes. Uh, In fact, I take Lin-Manuel's little one to school and we play We Don't Talk About Bruno nonstop until we get to school. So for 45 minutes, we're singing. We don't talk about Bruno. My two older grandchildren are exactly the same way. My granddaughter wakes up singing it. (laughs) Well, I want to talk about you too. I mean, obviously we both are huge admirers uh, of Lin-Manuel, but I'm also a huge admirer of you, Louise. I mean, (laughs) you know, I think I first met you back in the late 90s when I was thinking about running for the Senate. And everybody I talked to in New York said, there's one person you have to talk to. That's Luis Miranda. And I said, okay. And I was so grateful to have your help and your guidance uh, during that campaign. And you've been involved in New York politics for a long time. You know, in 1980, as I recall the story, you went from picketing then... (laughs) You know, Mayor Ed Koch, to working for him. So, yeah, tell me and our listeners how you got involved in New York politics and particularly this Koch story, because uh, that's a really interesting one. It's really interesting, Hillary, because when I came to New York in the early 70s, 
I was a typical migrant from Puerto Rico. It takes a little while for you to pay any attention to your local politics. And it took a little while for me to understand the importance of politics in our lives. From when do they pick up the garbage and how frequently they pick up the garbage to the big policy decisions that impact all of us. So I got involved when we moved to Washington Heights in the Parents Movement District 6, uh, with an overcrowded district, uh, one of three very overcrowded districts in the city of New York. And my daughter was going to one of those schools and got involved in school board politics to increase and advocate to increase the number of schools. And then this catch opportunity came up. And sort of a friend said, why don't you apply? I'm like, I don't know that you apply to be special advisor to the mayor. I think that you're called upon to serve <laughs> in positions like that. You don't just send a resume. Uh, but I did send a resume. This story leaves out a little of the color, Luis, because you were picketing him, fighting for more schools, and you were often the person when the mayor would show up somewhere who was leading the charge, yelling, you know, demanding. And honestly, having known Ed Koch, as I was lucky enough to, I think they saw a like-minded person in you and, you know, got you that job. I will tell you, when I had the interview, the mayor said, listen, you and I are not going to agree on everything. But I think you and I are going to agree on fundamental things for the Latino community. And he went through a list of those. And then he said, however, when you disagree with me, you have to do it privately. Right. That's fair. And I actually thought, (laughs) well, this this seems like a fair ask from someone who's going to be my boss. Yes, right. And you did become uh, a political consultant. And, you know, it's a word we throw around a lot, but I think it'd be interesting for people outside of politics to know what does that mean? Uh, Kind of walk us through, you know, a a kind of typical experience with somebody who's thinking about running for office. What kind of advice do they typically want? What is it you provide uh, for them? I really start, Hillary, with trying to understand who that person is. At the end of the day, my training as a clinical psychologist, which I thought was a waste of my time, actually came handy. I just want to make sure that you are who you say you are because voters are not stupid. Voters are looking for people who are telling a story that it's real so that they can connect with them. At the end of the day, whatever you're talking about has to go hand in hand with whatever is happening in society. And you have to have a connection 
Uh, from a particular point of view, if you are conservative, that's not a candidate that I'm interested in helping. But I understand that that is a perspective. Mm -hmm. So I, I want to connect with whomever the candidate is. And then I want to spend some time figuring out what is the best way to tell your message. And then there's the part that is part of the science. You also need to look at polls. Right. You, you want to see what the electorate is thinking. You want to know what your district is like. You know, people tend to throw all Latinos in the same box. Big mistake. Big mistake. You know, if, if you're running in a district where half of the people are Cubans or Venezuelans, that's a very different mindset. So I, I want to know all of that. Well, you've given advice to nearly everybody on the Democratic side in New York. I know Chuck Schumer, uh, Kirsten Gillibrand, obviously Attorney General Tish James, and many, many others. It has to sometimes be hard to deliver difficult news or to tell somebody who's running, you know, this isn't working. You've got to shift gears. How do you talk to somebody when, you know, the advice is difficult um, or you actually meet resistance? The person doesn't want to hear it. I think the most you could do is to talk it out. Uh, first of all, there is better moments than others. Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes things are happening in real time and, and you have to give news in real time. But for the most part, there is better times than others, and you're looking for those better times where your candidate is more relaxed, is less tired, it's willing to listen. And the second part, I just believe in pull the band-aid off. Uh -huh. I am not one to sugarcoat, but just to say it and let's talk it over. So then we figure out what is the best way to proceed, but I believe in telling the truth. I believe it in my family. I believe it in my work. Sometimes I'm a little rough around the ages. You know, my wife tells me, can you sugarcoat it a little? And I'm like, <laughs> I, I, I'm not the best doing that, but I'm willing to talk it over until it feels better. Yeah, I get it. You you said something that I, I want to unpack a little bit because I, I don't think people really understand the importance of you pointing out that when we talk about the Latino community, this is not a monolithic community. There is so much difference in background approach, uh, lots of times, uh, you know, where they stand on political issues of all kinds. And you have particular expertise in reaching Latino voters. And what is the first thing you think about that any candidate should do if they want to reach and convince Latino voters to support them? Let's understand who's the audience. Yes, Are exactly. we in a community that is predominantly Mexican? Are we in a community that is predominantly Puerto Rican? How old is this community in your district? It's not the same thing to be in Arizona when you're talking to third-generation Mexican-Americans and newly migrated exactly. Mexican-Americans. Yeah. So you, you need to know a bit of who the audience is before you open your mouth 
particularly if you don't have a history with that group. Uh, if you have a history with that group, it's a totally different ballgame. You know, 100%. People would tell me during the last election, we'll get the lion's share of Cubans for Biden because you got, meaning you, Hillary Clinton, you got the lion's share of Cubans for you. Different reality. You had a relationship right. for years. So it's not the same thing when you're introducing someone, not because they don't know who he is, but they want to really figure out ideologically who that person is. Exactly. Well, you know, I think sometimes people forget it comes back to relationships. You have to know people and they have to know you. And how do you think we could better convey and, and direct Democrats to do a better job in understanding and communicating with the Latino voters? Uh, to make sure they know what the issues are. Mm -hmm. to make sure they know who the audience it's going to be. Uh, you don't go to South Texas to talk about open borders. That's uh, right. You go to South <laughs> Texas to figure out how do we continue to have a relationship with our neighbors? How do we make sure our new neighbors come in an orderly fashion into the country because we do make a better country and a diverse country. It's a better country. But you need to convey to people that you do believe that it must happen in an orderly fashion. And I think that part of the issue also is you know, we, we criticize the Republicans that 77% of them or 76% of them are with Trump. They are a monolithic party right now. Mm -hmm. We're not. Right. We have a diversity of opinions. And as a result, we have to learn about what that diversity of opinions are and who are the best messengers for different Latino communities. That's exactly right. We'll be right back. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. 
I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s. She looked like a million bucks. With zero qualifications. She had a Harvard plaque. Tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. That this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About six million. Approximately $11 million. Nearly $10 million was all gone. Employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich man, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. <laughs> oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Well, you know, we've got a new governor and a new mayor in New York. Kathy Hochul is the governor and Eric Adams is our new mayor. Have you uh, given advice to either or both of them? I actually ended up in the mayor's transition committee in arts and culture, as well as in the appointment committee. So I, I have had the opportunity to work with some of their team and it has been a, a great experience. The, the other thing that happens, Hillary, when we get older, 
is that I care less and less about what somebody else thinks. <laughs> Amen, brother. Amen. <laughs> I, I think that with age comes wisdom, quote unquote, and the ability to be a little bit more honest about how you see the world. And you've never been shy before you got older. <laughs> I, I have never been shy. And as I get older, I get bolder. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> older and bolder. I love it. So you could tell me, I, I don't think that I'm going to do that. And that's cool. I, I understand. But you asked for my advice. I'm giving it to you. Well, the other thing that you and I have worked on is uh, your commitment to helping candidates get elected across our country. And you chair a group that I've worked with and that I think is doing terrific you know, candidate recruitment and support, and that's called uh, the Latino Victory Fund. When you think about encouraging people to run for office, do you think we're making progress convincing Democrats, and in your case, Latino Democrats, to run for the unglamorous offices, the school board, like you started off in politics advocating for the local jobs that you know, even boards of election, which the Republicans are literally trying to take over. Are we making progress convincing people on our side of the political aisle to do that? I think we are. Good. Okay. We know that to create the bench, you don't start by running for president. Mm. <laughs> and sometimes I meet with candidates who said, I, I want to run for Congress. I'm like, yeah, have you thought about your local assembly, your local mm -hmm. city council? Mm -hmm. Because politics, it's no different than any other profession. You learn as you do. I, I hear my son uh, respond all the time. People said to him, Hamilton was a much more complex creation than in the Heights. And Emmanuel says, of course, I knew more about how to make art. Well, the same thing happens in politics. You become more seasoned. And by creating that bench, you need to work with people to run for all of those offices. Uh, we are doing a lot of that in Florida. We are doing a lot of that in Georgia. In places where we're beginning to increase population, you begin by creating a bench. And by running people in smaller jurisdiction, more homogeneous jurisdictions where the issues are probably less, but they begin to get their policies ready when they go for higher office. Absolutely. You're, you know, a pretty effective parent. I mean, I, I, I know a little bit about your family. You had a lot of help from, you know, your wife, obviously, Luz, is a great, great, you know, partner and parent uh, with you. She is. She is the anchor. You can tell. I mean, she really has such a, an anchoring role in your lives. Um, do you have parenting advice? How did you raise, you know, such a great daughter and such an amazing son? It's, it's by being insightful and being able to put yourself in their shoes at whatever age they are, in whatever circumstances they're in. And sometimes the advice is no. 
You know, I mean, sometimes the advice is no, but I always remember, and Emmanuel tells it very, uh, with a lot of tenderness, that when he was offered a full-time job at Hunter Elementary School as an English teacher, you know, those are the kinds of jobs that people kill for, mm-hmm. where you stay there until you retire. And he was offered one of those jobs. He loved teaching. And the incredible thing, it, this is before emails. People actually wrote letters to each other. <laughs> <laughs> so he actually wrote me this letter and said, what do I do? Do I take this job or do I continue to be a temp, make enough to pay the rent and continue to work in, in the Heights? Which was a musical that he'd been working on since he was in college, right? And his first hit, that he got his first Tony. And I thought to myself, a good parent will say, take a full-time job. You will love that job. You are a great teacher and keep writing in the heights on the side. But I knew that that was wrong. That if I was him, I needed to have in the heights as my priority. So being able to say, no, baby, you don't take the full-time job. You continue to work in, in the Heights. You make enough to pay your rent. You could continue and raid our refrigerator. <laughs> but that's what you need to do as a 25-year-old kid. So being able to look at the issue from your kid's perspective, it's key to being a good parent. Well, it, it does sound like you learned a few things in that psychology course. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Luis, I just can't thank you enough for talking with me. You have done so much to move both candidates and issues forward. And yes, as we grow older, we grow bolder. <laughs> uh, because you you and I are not going off into the, you know, into, into the, the night. sunset. As I say all the time, either someone in the office is going to call my wife and say, he died, or my <laughs> wife is going to call the office and say, he didn't wake up. I'm going to be working until that last moment. <laughs> I love it. Music to my ears. Thank you, my friend. Thank you for having me. Luis truly is nonstop. To keep up with all the great work he's doing, you can follow him on Twitter. And as you think about the advice you give and receive in your own life, always remember how important it is to pay attention to the advice your own body and mind give you too, and to live your own truth, as I talked about with Cheryl. And if you'd like to share advice you want to give, or you have ideas about what we should talk about on our podcast, please email us at youandmebothpod at gmail.com. You and Me Both is brought to you by iHeartRadio. We're produced by Julie Subrin, Kathleen Russo, and Rob Russo, with help from Huma Abedin, Oscar Flores, Lindsay Hoffman, Brianna Johnson, Nick Merrill, Laura Olin, Lona Valmoro, and Benita Zaman. 
Our engineer is Zach McNeese, and the original music is by Forrest Gray. If you like You and Me Both, please tell someone else about it. And if you're not already a subscriber, what are you waiting for? You can subscribe to You and Me Both on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and may you give and get some hard-earned wisdom in the days ahead, and I'll see you next week. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast hosts Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every family has an origin story, one passed down through the generations. Mine happens to be a mystery involving my great-great-grandmother left behind in Sicily. I'm Joe Piazza, and my new podcast, will transport you to the gorgeous island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a whodunit for the ages. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. We've always been intrigued by stories of disappearances, whether it's a fraudster from the 17th century who kept evading the authorities or a novelist who taunted the Nazis and faked her own death. We all want to know, what happened next? To find out, listen to Amanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, I'm Dr. Maya Shunker, and I'm a scientist who studies human behavior. Many of us have experienced a moment in our lives that changes everything, that instantly divides our life into a before and an after. On my podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, I talk to people about navigating these moments. Their stories are full of candor and hard-won wisdom. And you'll hear from scientists who teach us how we can be more resilient in the face of change. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.